Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. And we're talking with Susan Mundahl about child support. It seems that there's been some changes in the laws here in Minnesota. How are you today, by the way, Susan? (laughs) I'm good, David. Yeah, there have been changes to the law. Today, I just want to go over the basics of child support in Minnesota and then talk about these changes because they're friendly changes, I think. Well, where do we start? Do you want to just talk generally about the child support laws here? Child support in Minnesota for several years now has been based on both parents' incomes because there is a recognition in Minnesota that both parents need to support their children. So they have created a set of guidelines that the legislature deemed good in terms of income for each parent. And they look at both parents' income and then they divide it up based on the amount of parenting time each parent has with the children. Then that's how child support's decided. All right. The recent change is that they actually are changing the grid so that people who are on the lower end of the income scale are not going to be paying as much child support as they were previously. And so that's a little bit of a break on the lower income parent. Can you describe what you mean by the grid? Sure. There's actually a grid and it's in Minnesota statute. And I'm looking it up even as we speak. In Minnesota, you can actually now Google Minnesota Statute 518A.29, and that is the calculation of gross income. And that gives you the basics on what the state is going to be looking at in determining each parent's income. And so that's an important one. And that's what you're referring to as the grid. No, actually, the grid then comes in a little farther down in the statute. Okay, So the grid that I'm referring to is actually at Minnesota Statute 518A.35. Okay. And the legislature actually created a grid that said, okay, the income for determining child support, and that's basically a party's picks. Okay. Parental income for calculating child support. I see. What it does is it adds together both parents' incomes, parent A and parent B. I see. And then they come up with this PICS, which is both of them together. So let's say the parties, the two parents together, their income totals $2,600. So then you go to this grid at 518.835, and it says, okay, now how many children do you have? And it tells you what the child support obligation is for those children. It's the joint obligation of the parents. And it goes up to six children. And are you saying that these changes that have recently been made are being reflected on the current grid? No, they will be. They're working on them now, and I believe that statute starts in January of 2023. So it's something to anticipate, but it is good to be aware of it. The grid is in existence. It's just that it's got different figures on it right now. I understand. And those figures will probably be lasting until January, as you say. Right. And then they'll change. So what brought on this change? Specifically, it was a concern about lower income families who really cannot afford child support and meet their basic living needs. The irony is, is it's not like children cost any less, but it is the legislature recognizing that an obligor needs to have some money to live on also. They just felt it was a good compromise. So then what is the next step in calculating the child support? 
Good question, David, because it doesn't just end because you've got both parties and you have an amount, but then it gets divided between the parties based on their percentage of that total income amount, that PICS amount. Let's say the parties have a slightly higher income so that their joint income is, say, $6,000. Well, if each party makes $3,000, then it would be a 50-50 split. And maybe there wouldn't be an obligation flowing back and forth to either party, depending on each party's amount of parenting time that they have with the children. And this has been hotly contested through the years. So they changed the law a couple years ago so that now it is based on each person's exact percentage. And they have this complicated code on how to determine the percentage Let's say you have 94 overnights. And what they do actually, it is, they do calculate overnights on an average based over a two-year period of time. So in Minnesota, there actually is a Minnesota Child Support Guidelines Calculator that you can access through the Minnesota Department of Human Resources. And you can just Google it and get right to it. And say it again for Google purposes. You can just Google Minnesota Child Support Guidelines Calculator, and it will get you right there, and you can do your own calculation of what your child support should be. That will actually ask you the questions about what each party is earning. It gets a little complicated. You have someone who's self-employed, but let's assume that you know what each party is making, and you look at gross incomes, then it's going to ask how many children there are. It's going to ask about medical, dental insurance. Then it gets to this part that is so important, which is calculating the number of overnights that each parent has with the children on average over a two-year period of time. And that would make that calculation so much easier on that average schedule. I just found out that there exists a tool to help you do that. It's called the Minnesota Child Support Parenting Time Calendar Tool. Easily Googleable as well, I would think. It is. That's the title of it. But here's the cool part is there is a link to that calendar tool at 15B on the calculator itself. So it will take you right there. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's even better. Wow. And this is one area where clients can do this themselves. And in fact, I always have my clients calculate regular parenting time over the next two years. And then you can even throw in holidays and vacation time and come up with a calculation on what each parent's overnights are going to look like. They presume they're going to be looking at overnights unless there's a reason not to. And let's just leave it at that. And obviously, if it's more complicated income situation, that's why you see a good family law attorney and have them help you calculate it. Right, because even after all of that, and you try to do your very best to discover what exactly the parameters for your child support will be, there might be something confusing about it, and that's what a family law attorney is for. Well, and then we can help take you the next step, which is looking to establish child support or modifying a child support obligation, and that we discuss in other podcasts. I just wanted to make parties aware of it because I just thought this was really a cool tool that four parties were just going to a calendar and writing it in manually. And this way, it can be done electronically and a lot more efficiently. And we all like our cool tools. That's right. And so the only other thing that I wanted to mention in this podcast then is that there is a change in law. And I think a part of it actually changed August 1st, 2022. 
That is that they're doing away with interest because what was happening is an obligor was getting behind in their child support obligation. And now the county was charging all of this interest on top of it. The only thing I don't know as we sit here today is whether that is going to have a retroactive effect or not. And they can certainly check the legislation on that themselves if they have an interest or talk to a family law attorney. But that is a huge lessening of a burden on an obligor who's gotten behind in their child support. What particularly is the section of the statute that you're referring to right now? Well, this is under 518A.36, and it's entitled Parenting Expense Adjustment. And as I say, this has been tinkered with now for the last few years in order to help make it a little more equal for obligors. What used to be happening is obligors were trying to get over a hump. We call them cliffs. Most of them were being lumped in a certain cliff, and now we changed it so it's looking at a specific number of overnights, as I say, scheduled over a two-year period of time. And they can look at the statute themselves, and that's the 518.36. But it is really important because the whole purpose of that statute was to recognize, and it was really dads who were saying this. They were saying, well, wait a minute. Even if I only have the kids every other weekend, it costs me some money in order to feed them and transportation and doing things. That's the purpose of the parenting expense adjustment is recognizing that even if you might not have the kids equal 50-50, there are certain expenses that you have. And so it will reduce the child support in order to basically ease the burden for the children. And also recognize that there's a lot of parents out there who want to be able to do the extras for their kids, but if they're paying so much in child support to the other parent, they don't have the ability to say, go to Valley Fair with the kids or to even take them out to eat. That's what the statute is recognizing with the parenting expense adjustment. It's great that the legislature is really able to take these things into consideration for some families that may require it. Right, especially the lower income families. The concern was for them is they were saying, I can barely meet my own needs. How do I meet the needs of my children if all the money is flowing to the other parent? And we recognize that with low income families, both parents are probably struggling, but this is an attempt to try and make it a little more equal. And that's the point of the statute. Well, Anna, once again, if a family is having trouble trying to decipher all of these things, that is what a family law attorney is for, is to assist with that. No matter where you are, whether you're in the state of Minnesota and you want to come to Mundell Law or any other firm for that matter, or anywhere else in the world, that's what these attorneys are here for. It's interesting you say that because different states have different child support way they calculate child support differently. That's why I can only say Minnesota right now. And it continues for as long as the children are minors. Courts have continuing jurisdiction. So let's say you're divorced when the children are four and five, the children don't age out until they finish high school or they turn 18. And so during that time period, you may have to at least alter the child support once based on the parties getting more income or less income. That's why I wanted to talk about child support today, just to give people this heads up. Is there anything else that you'd care to share about child support? No, only that the tools are online. 
You can go there yourself. There's another section of it that actually gives you the ability to ask for tax returns from the prior year from the other parent if you believe that there's been a substantial change in circumstances. But that's going to be a podcast for another day. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Susan. You bet. Have a great day, everyone. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundall Law website at mundalllaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.